Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses. Today, I've got guest Hugh Godman with me. Hugh, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Glad Good. to be here. Good. Uh, well, I'm glad to have you here too. Uh, Hugh has been working with me over the course of the summer, and one of the projects that I got Hugh to do is um, uh, I had asked all the viewers to send in uh, business myths that they've heard that people keep repeating and that people hear over and over again. And I said to everyone, send in your business myths because I'd like to make a list and uh, maybe we can address some of these and find out if some of them are actually true or some of them are not. And uh, it was a whole flurry of emails and Hugh was good enough to take all the emails and sort them out and put them in order by category. So thank you, Hugh. You're very welcome. All right. And, and Hugh's a business student. I don't know if I mentioned that yet. Um, Hugh, what is the thing you enjoy the most about studying business? Oh, I enjoy the variety. I, I very much like uh, seeing all these different disciplines within, you know, one single degree. Okay. I, I kind of like it too, because to me, business is all about solving problems. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, you also have done a lot of work in journalism and writing and whatnot, correct? Yeah, that's right. Good, because today we're going to be talking about language too. Because I, I find a lot of the times when we hear some of these myths and we, we have these different ideas floating around, a lot of the time it's because different people are using different words or expressions in different ways. And mm -hmm. people actually don't quite understand what it is that they're talking about. So why don't we start off? And, um, and for some of these, people, these comments, we have names of the people who submitted them and others we don't. Um, but let's, you, the first category you've put together is a, regarding expectations around hard work, which I think is fascinating because uh, a lot of what we hear about out there in the world of business is all about increasing your hustle or increasing the amount of work that you do. What are some of the myths that got, uh, that got passed back to us? Okay. Yeah. Let's take a look. So, um, the first uh, myth, uh, two people gave this one, um, Victor and Behind the Mastermind. Um, it's, uh, let's go with the first one. So, quote, it takes working 80 to 100 hour weeks uh, to start a business. Uh, and the second one is you have to work extremely long hours to get a business off the ground. Yeah. So that would be the first one. Yeah. And so... Uh, if it's true, these are great reasons to buy a business over starting one, first of all. Um, but, but secondly, um, what these two, because I've started businesses before and you know, you, when you're excited about something new, it's pretty easy to put a lot of time into it because you're focused on it and you're excited. But what, to me, what's interesting here is, is it reminds me of the expression, time is money. Um, because a lot of the times when I meet people who are going through this kind of experience when they're working hard like this, is because they're trying to do as much as they can because they don't want to pay anyone else to do anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so when someone is starting a business in particular, oftentimes we end up in a situation where someone is undercapitalized, they have a certain limited amount of money, they're trying to stretch that money as far as possible. And one of the things that people often come up with is they just do as much as they can because they don't want to pay someone else to do anything. And 
believing that they are limiting or reducing their investment because they're only considering the dollars versus the hours. Um, you know, I know several well-established entrepreneurs who own several businesses who will start a business every once in a while and they don't work 80 to 100 hours a week on the new business because they have the resources to pay people and they hire a manager and they direct that person and, and they get going. Um, what, what is your perception from, from what you think about, you know, starting, a, a, there, there's a lot of that hustle culture kind of Silicon Valley ideas. I think that probably circulates at school. Eh? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that is the expectation. When you think of a startup, you think of people who are, you know, sleeping in the office and, you know, a group of maybe friends that are just um, drinking, you know, tubs of coffee every day, just uh, working through ideas and building their business. Um, but I would suspect that once you get further along, uh, say like in a more established business, this, um, this amount of work is less uh, realistic or mm. sh should not be the case. I, I find that one of the things that has happened is that there's been a certain romanticization of this lifestyle um, where, you know, people aspire to it because they feel like by going through this kind of experience where you're working all these long hours, it sort of then lays the groundwork to entitle someone to then the big win later on where they're going to, you know, sell their business for millions and millions of dollars or all that kind of thing. When in reality, one of the most valuable business skills you can develop is the ability to actually start to delegate and organize people under you to start to do some of the, some of the tasks. Um, you know, I've on record of saying that uh, a startup is something that a young person should do before they have children or are married or have a house and those kinds of obligations, because it's at that moment in your life when you're just starting off, like when you just get out of school, for example, where your obligations can be quite low and you're free to take the risks. And while you may not have enough money, you certainly have the time for this kind of thing. Uh, if I were going to start a new business today, I wouldn't have time to put this kind of these hours into it because I'm busy being a dad and stuff like that. Um, th th this discussion kind of leads into the other comment about expectations around hard work. Do you want to uh, read that one for us? Yeah. So that's about, essentially overestimating the role of hard work and mindset in running a successful business. Right. So, and, and, and this is one that I run into all the time and, and there's an awful lot of what I call business cheerleading going on out there where people will say, if you, if you want it badly enough, then this is one of the actual fundamental things required to make things happen. Whereas, you know, I could want really hard to be a dentist, uh, but I don't have the skills to do that. I'd like, I can't, people should not let me pull their teeth out. Um, but I, but you, you see this stuff all the time and I always find it fascinating that, you know, stadiums will be filled with people coming out and hearing this message from people who are like, you just have to like, I don't want to get in trouble. You just have to like nine and a half times your effort and, and, you know, increase your, your inputs and, and you, the success will follow. But again, sometimes I see people working really hard um, and it doesn't play out for them. Um, you know, the hardest working people I see are the people who work at like patching the highway and stuff 
and they're out there on a hot day with the asphalt and the hot brakes. And I go, wow, those guys are working hard. And they're not. This myth might uh, stem from uh, something you talked about in Smarter Than a Startup, which would be a survivorship bias. Yes. I would agree with that too. And, and just for people who don't know, survivorship bias is simply the fact that we hear from the people who have won. So the people who've gone out and they've achieved a business victory, they've built up a business and sold it for a lot of money, they're the ones out sharing the message. And what they don't properly account for is luck. So when people say, how did you make this happen? They look back at their efforts and they say, well, I worked really hard. And so that must be what is required instead of understanding that maybe the timing was right. Um, there's a book, uh, Gladwell, Outliers. And it's like uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and the leader of another company. Um, it was another big tech company, all born in 1955. And so in the book, he was talking about how if you were born in 1955, the circumstances were just right for you to be able to have, you know, a big impact in the tech world, for example. And if you asked any one of those guys, what were some of the most important things about your success? They may not identify timing as being one of them when in fact it could have been a very important thing, you know, for their success. Um, planning is next up. Yes. So this is from Victor and he says as a myth, you need to have a business plan. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, if I were going to start a business, I, I think I would make a business plan for myself. So I'm kind of questioning this as being a myth. Yeah. Um, I always recommend people do a business plan. Um, and here's the danger with business plans is that sometimes people will start writing a business plan and they're so excited about getting the business off the ground that what they start to do is put things in the business plan that make it look attractive to a banker or an investor. Mm-hmm. And then it stops being a business plan and it starts. I believe you called this a uh, banking advertisement package. Yeah. It's like a banker marketing package. Right. And right. so you're basically, t- you're, you're putting it filled with uh, <clears throat> information that you think the banker wants to see in order to approve your loan instead of the business plan doing what it's supposed to do which is to help you determine if the business is viable or not. And so if you don't need to go to a bank, if you don't need anyone's help, let's say you have all the money that you need to, to start a business, um, you still should do a business plan. It's not going to be a large written document with all the bells and whistles and information. It should at least have in there how many sales you need to make, you know, what you expect the cash flow is going to look like, so that you can determine if you think that it's likely that you're going to be successful or not without having any kind of roadmap as to where you're going. Um, it's almost impossible to know if you're on the right path or not. If, if that makes any sense, um, you have to have an idea of what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. So that one might be, um, I don't, I don't think it's a myth. I think you need to have a plan. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a hundred page polished document with a, you know, with a coil binding and a fancy cover. Um, but there has to be something put in place so that you have an idea of where you're headed and what you need to achieve by when, and more particularly that cash flow forecast so that if the sales are not heading in the direct, in the right direction, 
then you can start to figure out at what point do I, do I, you know, draw a line in the sand that if this business isn't going to fly, I'm then going to look to either make a significant change in how it operates, or I'm going to pull the plug on it. One of those two. Um, and then passion is your next section. What do we have on there? Right. So Victor again, uh, proposed this one. You have to do something that you are passionate about. I've heard this a lot. In fact, I've heard another version of this, which is to follow your passion and the money will fall or pursue your passion and the money will follow as general advice given to young people. And I think that pursue your passion and the money will follow is a lie. I don't think that's accurate at all because Otherwise we would have, you know, very wealthy puppeteers and other, you know, sorts of people in the world who were doing something that they really enjoyed. The fact of the matter is you have to have be offering something that is marketable that somebody else wants or needs. However, um, I think you really have to figure out what exactly is your passion because someone whose passion is satisfying the needs of others or helping customers could satisfy that passion in a business that sells rubber gaskets, right? Like, I mean, really, if your passion is helping your customer be successful and making people happy and helping other people achieve what they're trying to do, you can bend that passion into almost any kind of business. Um, I think what is key here is that you have to have an ethical and moral alignment with whatever it is that your business is which is a little bit of a different thing than passion. And, and here's what I mean. If you don't believe that your product is valuable and you don't believe that you're doing something important for your customers, I think it becomes incredibly difficult to operate that business unless you're a total sociopath. So there are certain businesses out there that some people categorize as predatory. So I'll give you an example. Um, I've spoken to a couple of different people in the pawn shop industry, for example, and some people would categorize them as a predatory kind of industry because they take people's goods, they make them high interest loans, et cetera. But one person who's in that industry said to me that every month at the end of the month at, the, at that particular pawn shop, they help 40 to 50 people avoid homelessness. Hmm. And it's because they're short on the rent and they come in there with some item of value, they do a pawn loan, they get a little bit of money, and yes, it costs them a lot of interest, but if the service wasn't there, there's a potential that that person could end up being evicted from their apartment. So if you look at it from that point of view, then that business is providing a really important service to people in that particular community. So I think that ethical and moral alignment is the thing that that really needs to be there. The passion, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of people who work on assembly lines around the world. Uh, there are a lot of people who own businesses that are factories and things. And quite frankly, they're in it for the money. You know, they show up every day to do the job, to get the paycheck um, as a means of fulfilling the things that they're passionate about, family, hobbies, travel, et cetera. So, so I, I would put that definitely in the myth category. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, uh, I think I would agree with that. Cool. All right. There's a whole bunch more here. So I think we're going to cut it off and we'll make a couple other videos. Uh, everyone join us again next week. Hugh and I will be back with some more business myths.